Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, vocalist, two-time Grammy nominee from Boulder, Colorado, Mary Lynn Gillespie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, I have a guest that I love her albums, or older albums especially. And we could even get into that later. But ma'am, please introduce yourself and let's get into it. Hi, everybody. This is Mary Lynn Gillespie um, here in Colorado. And I'm happy to talk to you, Leander. Okay. Let me know what you want to know. Well... I have some a lot of older mentors and everything. And one album, as you can guess, we talked about it originally. Mm. The Rare Silk albums from the early 80s, I loved. He loved. Yes. You got two (laughs) Grammy nominations off them. I'm just curious, how did that start? And yeah, let's go there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's in the way back world. Yeah, uh, 1978. Uh, I got together, my sister and I, and another woman, Marguerite Juneman, and we started doing very oldie kind of Boswell sisters, Andrew sisters, cutesy stuff. And we were we were out of Boulder, Colorado, and we became Boulder's darlings. I mean, we would dress up in vintage clothing, and it was all very cute and wonderful harmonies, and. Not too far into it, we opened up for Benny Goodman here in Boulder. And he took quite a liking to us and asked us to tour with him and his band. So that was the real beginning, way before New Eve, um, which is really the favorite album of Rare Silk. Okay. But we toured with Benny, and it was wonderful, and then we parted ways just because he really wanted to keep us in more of that old style of music, and we wanted to modernize our sound. Uh, So we added a gentleman, Todd Bufa, to the group, and we started doing four-part harmony, much more intricate harmonies, um, and were noticed by Polydor, Polygram Records, uh, by 1981 or two, and we got a record deal with them, and New Weave was born. <laughs> I just so. curious, first of all. So, how was Benny Goodman as a person? <laughs> Not many people. Is it I could one of those questions, to. Leander? <laughs> I, I, you got to remember, I'm a. I'm just kidding. group, you know. <laughs> No, Benny was really, really good to us. Um, I've heard stories of him not being quite as gentlemanly with musicians, but he was really, really good to us. Uh, We went on tour to Japan with him. We played Carnegie Hall with him, the Playboy Jazz Festival at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, He treated us very well, so... Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> yeah. We were blessed. We, it was just a whirlwind of, because we were young and we we just were kind of taken up under his wing and it was awesome. So, 
Okay. Uh, just another question on that. So was Torin at that time that much worse? That much worse? Yes. Like Torin now Than it is now? Yeah. Or, well, I tell you, I don't know if it's really that much different. I mean, unfortunately, the pay scale is about the same as it was way back then. Oh, uh, that sucks. Nothing's changed. Um you know, with the with the Benny tour, we were flown, you know, to Japan and flown to Boston and New York and different places, L.A. But um, once we were touring on our own uh, as Rare Silk uh, with our band and after we modernized our sound and we were promoting New Eve, touring was, uh, well, you know, we were young and it was just a blast. We, we were having a great time. So, yeah. Uh, don't ask me what it would be like now. <laughs> now, Torin now sucks, but we don't need to go there right now. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I think that was my point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and it's just easier when you're younger. Okay. What can I say? Understood. Your new Weave album, which is definitely yeah. my favorite. Mm-hmm. First thing I want to ask is, how did you get Randy as your Ooh. arranger? Oh, for Red Clay. Red yeah. Clay and New York After Noodles are my and two New favorite York. tracks on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Which you, you know, also. we had a, a producer, Ted Darrell. So, you know, we got this deal with Polygram and Ted Darrell as producer. And he knew because we were nobody at the time. And he knew that we needed some big names on our album to get noticed. So he brought in the Brecker Brothers. And Ronnie Cooper and Cuber and, um, oh God, let's see, who else? I mean, you know, he he brought in the big names. So it was our producer. Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, love you. And your... it made a difference, too, no, because did. people took notice. Number one, it sounds great. And people took notice. It's like how, like you said, how did you get the Brecker Brothers? <laughs> on your album so that's goals right there even now that was goals (laughs) well when our when new weave came out that's 1983 uh the jazz stations across the country were getting copies and they were blown away i mean they they're we came out of nowhere to them and they're just like who are these people so it was it was pretty amazing what happened I mean, we flew to the top of the charts, billboard charts, and suddenly we were on tour. So, Okay. And I have to ask about Red Clay and Spain, (laughs) those two things also, out songs on the album. About about Red Clay? Yes. So did, what did Chikoria think of the version? I assume he said something. Oh, Spain. Yes. I have no clue. I'm so sorry oh, okay. to tell you. Okay. I don't know if Chick Korea ever heard it. I have no idea. I would love to know that he did, but that okay. was never revealed to any of us whether okay. he did or not. And then on Red Clay, did Mr. Hubbard say anything? <laughs> well, Freddie Hubbard. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of story in there, but we won't we won't go there. No. <laughs> So, I mean, all those things, whenever you do a tune like that, um, 
yeah, you have to get the rights, the publishing rights and all that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the artist, the original artist has anything to say about it. But we did do a gig in, uh, where was it? Outside of DC or maybe DC. It was a gig and we were opening for Freddie and we asked him if we could sing the tune with his band. So he let us. And in a different key, of course. <laughs> so that was challenging as four-part vocalists to sing that tune in a different key because it's just changes. A, on the spot, too? Like he said, like the day well, off? Well, kind of on the spot, oh, yeah. We sucks. didn't rehearse it. He, he agreed to do it, and we did it. So, yeah. So that's as much as, as I have for anything to do with Freddie, really. I mean, he was on the tour. You know, we did a tour... Uh, prior to that. So actually we had met him before because uh, we went to Japan with Benny Goodman and Freddie was on that tour and a bunch of other incredible musicians, Dizzy Gillespie and mm, yeah, Record Brothers. Yeah. So, yeah. You're living the life. <laughs> yeah, we were living the life. That's right. <laughs> just one other question on just that album that I'm curious about. Yep. Why don't you guys have it on any modern streaming platforms yeah because they won't let us polygram polydor owns the rights i think they sold it to universal i think that's my understanding they won't release the masters to us and they won't re-release the album and we can't you can't just put it on streaming without having those rights so we've tried Okay. Uh, it's been a long time since I have made any efforts to do that. And it would be really nice if you could stream it because you can stream the other two. They were, it, the other two were on a smaller label. Um, so it has to do with publishing rights. Yeah. Understood. I just don't it's want it sad. to be an album forgotten by time. I, <laughs> me neither. It is the best album we did. There's no question about it. So... Okay, well, other stuff, ma'am. This whole interview originally did spark because I'm doing my usual dive in the jazz world, seeing what's out there, what's new and all that stuff. And then I realized you had an album that came out last year that I knew nothing yeah. about. Yes. How did you find it? I, trust me, I have a weird skill. I go for okay. every single album that comes out on these platforms and I try to listen to them. Wow. Yeah. So then one thing led to another, which led to another, which led to, I know that name. And then I found out it was you. And then I'm like, how did I miss this? So <laughs> what made you actually do an album this? Because the last one I believe you did was in 86. Well, I did a very um, self-produced album. I don't know how you know about that. <laughs> it's not really out there. Um, I mean, I have it on some streaming of my own, but it's not out there like like uh, secret languages. But um, so that was a really fun, just self-produced thing. I'm sure, you know, the quality is, is okay, but there's some fun stuff on it. No, I enjoyed it. And then <laughs> I just really wanted to do a well-produced real you know real album so that's where secret language comes in and i worked with kip kipper who is my producer and collaborator on secret language kip is a bass player 
who joined Rare Silk way back when and toured with us. He moved out to Colorado to join our band when he was quite young. And he now, and has for a very long time, worked at a studio in Boulder called Coop Studios. Uh, used to be owned by our manager, Scott Roach. So Kip and I have been friends, you know, forever. And I asked him to collaborate with me and produce my album. And he did an incredible job. Um, so he inspired me to, you know, I just wanted to do a really well-constructed, well-produced album. It's just something I couldn't not be here on this earth anymore and not have done. <clears throat> so um, we worked really hard, a lot of it through COVID times, which was a great project to have during that time. Um, he inspired me to finally finish the lyrics to It's Just Talk, the mm. Matheny tune. Yes. And I had been trying to write lyrics to that song for 30 years. And they just wouldn't come out and they wouldn't come out. And when Kip asked me, okay, so, you know, what tunes are we going to put on this album? And that was one of them. And, but I hadn't written the, written the lyric yet. So one day we're in the studio and he pulls out this chart that he'd put together for that song. And, you know, we're talking about all the tunes we're going to do. I was like, Kip, I just, I haven't found the lyrics yet. I, they haven't come out. And he just stops. He goes, you know, you just try again. So I literally went home that day and they just started coming out. And that's how lyric writing is, at least for me. I can't guarantee that it will come out, but they did. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> it's been a favorite tune for a really long time. Mm. I and enjoyed it. Again, I don't know mm -hmm. if Mr. Matheny has heard it. So, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but who knows? You never know. <laughs> yeah. And the um, Herbie Hancock tune, Dolphin Dance, that came out of me really quickly, like within a half an hour. Bam. So, and, you know, if you stay happy with the lyrics, then you know they're all right. So. I think it's just an amazing talent you have. Sorry? I think you have an amazing talent that you just Aww. downplaying. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we artists tend to do that, don't we? Yeah, but then I have Thank some that come much. on here and tell me how great they are. And I had I had one where a guy literally talked for 15 minutes straight, didn't let me say a word, and told me how great he was. And I was just like, oh. I see. Yeah. I see. <laughs> so I kind of like the modest ones. <laughs> no, you know, this whole music thing, I mean, I just feel so lucky to be a part of it. And I spent 25 years not doing it at all. After Rare Silk split up. Yeah, but why? I'm a photographer. Wait, what? You were a photographer I didn't too? sing. I didn't do anything. I raised a family. I didn't even think I would sing again. So, and then it just started creeping back in. That's what happens when you get divorced. You go, oh, let's do some living. <laughs> well, that, that hurt me at two different levels. So you're telling me if I get married and I have a kid, my music is done. No, no, no. You can do whatever you want, Leander. 
you know, it just, that's the way it went. And besides the whole thing, when rare silk split up was kind of big and, you know, it's kind of lose your identity when a band, when you're touring and you're out, you're, that's who you are. And then we split up in 88 and I kind of had to figure out who I was again. So without that, so I went into a different field. I did photography for a long time. Uh, what type of camera? I'm just curious. Are you a Sony guy? Oh, Are you a oh, Nikon? You know, Are you a Canon? It is a Canon. Oh, you're Canon. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why? Are you a Nikon guy? No, I'm a Sony person. Sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. You know some stuff. All right. Yeah, we could talk yeah, about well, that. Yeah, well, I did that as a career for over 20 years. So I did a I, lot of actually uh, music um, CD covers. Really? Yeah, so it, it correlates. Because I, I was literally about to say that's probably the only career less stable than music. Oh well. And you okay? But don't accuse me of being stable. Oh, stop. <laughs> but who? Any out? Al, any album covers that I know of that you did? One in particular would be Renee Marie. No. Do you know who she is? Marie Renee, you have to go check her out. She's a mo one of the most wonderful jazz vocalists anywhere. Um, she lived here for a while, but she does live in Virginia. She tours. Renee Marie, please check her out, Leander. She's Man. divine. That's She's so loose and free, and great sense of humor, and you can just feel all of that in her music. She's, you will love her. Okay. Um, so I had the pleasure of doing an album cover for her. She was on Motima Records. Yes, I know Motima um, Records, yes. Check it out. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I did a cover for her for, it's called Voice of My Beautiful Country. Okay. Um, and locally here um, for Lanny Garrett. She's a vocalist. Um, so a few things here and there. Mostly local stuff. No, still, I find it impressive. But <laughs> yeah, there's another yeah. thing on this that I'm just really curious about. So, how was the recording process to you from your last Rare Silk album to this one? Was this was there mm -hmm. anything that just made you go wow? Do you think it was better? Do you think it was worse? So different because back in the Rare Silk days, recording, you know, that's all analog. So, you know, we're splicing tape and I mean, we weren't, but <laughs> very different process. And now it's all digital. Um, to be honest, I didn't do all the vocals in the studio. I did quite a few of them here at my home with a, uh, a reasonably good mic into um, Logic Pro. And then I would send, I did, I did some of them at the studio and some of them here, but the ones I did here, I, you know, I would do them here and send them to Kip and yeah. Uh, it, it, I'd say things are easier to do now in digital, digital era um, because you can do that. You know, we brought in Jim Riddle, who's a pianist uh, who used to work with Rare Silk. And he lives in New Jersey, and we wanted him on the album. So we sent him 
recordings and he put his piano solo on there and we never we were never in the same room at the same time so yes pretty big difference now from then you had to all be in the room back then so do you like that better because even some of the (laughs) older guests tell me that's why a lot of the new artists can't play like they're not as good live because they don't even know how to perform live together. Well, in a, yeah. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure it's true. Um, since we all perform live, I don't think that's, it's not something that I really think about, but I'm sure that's true. And there's plenty of, there are plenty of recordings, you know, where they use auto tune and that kind of a thing, which is, that's more pop music though. That doesn't really happen in the jazz world. I don't think too much. So it happens in the jazz world. In the world. jazz world. <laughs> what, did you, what did you say? It happens in the jazz world. I'm not going to call anybody out, but yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'm sure it does. But um, I, I just think there's, it's more likely that people are going to be playing from their heart and, you know, really dig in, uh, in our world. But um, it's always great to be in the same room with the musicians and let it fly and let things be real. So, but even, even back then on the Rare Silk albums, you know, we did scratch vocals. I don't know if you know, you know, you or your audience know what I'm talking about. You know, you'll sing while the band is playing for the rhythm section to record their parts, but you're isolated so that it's not getting recorded onto the track, the the voices. And then we go back in and sing them to perfection. Uh, So it was real at the time because we were singing while it's being recorded, but it was just a scratch vocal that wasn't, you know, it was isolated enough that we could go back in and re-sing it. So in that respect, actually, there's no difference. And I did that with the band as well for this album. I sang everything while they were playing, but then I went back and re-recorded a lot of it not every not all of it but a good portion of it so you know when you're doing a highly produced album you just want it to sound as good as it can um and i'll be honest it's hard to reproduce these songs live but mostly because i don't have a regular band that i work with where we can just go out and play, you know, week after week and, and get that music really solid where people aren't reading charts anymore. So unless you have that, you know, these kind of tunes, uh, highly arranged tunes, it's pretty hard to pull off in a live setting unless you've spent the time and the money rehearsing. So, I mean, we were talking about that last episode. A lot of these, uh, I'm in New York. A lot of those clubs and bars closed down mm-hmm. during COVID. So you don't get a lot of bands able to practice their yeah. albums. And you could hear it. Oh, oh. interesting. They tried well, to hop- you know, I'm aware of one particular musician who made the best of that situation. And that's Emmett Cohen. Are you familiar with Emmett? Yes, Emmett was one of my first guests. I know the guy. I love oh, him. Oh, my God. He just turned that whole thing into the most beautiful streaming live music experience. (laughs) 
kudos to him I mean, and all those people. I agree. I mean, he was aware. Uh, he was just several steps ahead of the average jazz artist. Like he understood the technology and he had the money to set it up right away. Exactly. Because yes. it sounded really good. It's in his living room. I mean, it, it couldn't be better. It was just, it was awesome. I still go back and listen to those things. Any episode that's your favorite? Or any guess you had? Oh, Veronica Swift. Oh, okay, Veronica. <laughs> She's amazing. I, I, I mean, I never had her on. That's a shame. But yes, oh. I love her too. Stuff. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, she's got so much Anita O'Day going on in her ease of singing. Uh, she's just, yeah, she's great. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Sabil Ami. I'm not sure how you say her name. She's really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, of course, a lot of the vocalists. Understood. That's your thing. I and I love that Emmett brought in so many vocalists. He clearly digs it. So, yeah. You going to go on the show? I kind of don't think so. Why not? Because <laughs> I'm in Colorado. He's in New York. Fly over. New York. Fly on over. <laughs> okay, yeah. fine. It'd be nice <laughs> if you did it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so, I just did a show uh, last week at uh, our Denver club, Dazzle. We had a blast. So live music is happening here in, in Colorado. Did you ever think it will pick up to what it was before? The lockdown? Um, I, you know, around here, it's doing pretty well. So are you saying the, the scene in New York... Are some of the clubs shut down or? A good amount of them shut down. Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, it's when you think of New York, you think of being able to go to any number of jazz clubs. So uh, that's a sad, a sad state of affairs. There's quite a bit going on here, actually. It's kind of amazing. Colorado's a bit of a jazz oasis. Really? We're lucky. I know you have good radio stations, but I wouldn't say an oasis. Okay. I got to go over there and check that it part out. It actually is. No, it really is. There's a lot of incredible musicians in Denver and Boulder. I don't know why or how that happened, but it's just true. We have, um, <clears throat> you know, worldly musicians right here. Very fortunate. Probably not as many as in New York, but a lot. A lot. Great guitarists, bass players, drummers, pianists. Yeah. We're very fortunate. Okay. Yep. So one other thing I need to ask you, because you told me about this quickly before we started recording. You're a big farmer? I'm what? You're big on the farm life? Did you say farm? Farm life. Like, yeah, you have a garden. You're farming. No. Oh, okay. Have a farm. <laughs> you don't. I'm sorry. No. Okay. Another one where no, I sound I like an know. idiot. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna no shut up. No chickens or cows or pigs <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> sorry, Leander. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. I'm not sure where that came from. I sound like a fool a lot of times on my own show. Oh, it's good. All right. Well, as long as you're laughing at yourself, that's that's good. 
No farms here. I am sorry. That's what confused me because when you were saying Colorado, I, but okay, I just completely no, mixed no, that no. up. Yes. That's okay. Let's let's go to another question. Yes. <laughs> so where do you think jazz will be in 10 years? Wow. I it, think it'll be alive and well. Honestly, you do? I do because at least around here, like I say, our little oasis here, there are a number of young jazz musicians and uh, mentors who love to teach them. We have, so, you know, I can only speak from my little world here. Yes, understood. Um, because I don't know what's going on there in New York. I know for a fact that one of our best guitarists just moved there, um, <clears throat> Alex Heffron. Uh, he's on my album. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we have, um, good educators here and they have a lot of jam sessions here where they're encouraged, the young players are encouraged to come out and play. And, uh, Brad, do you know who Brad Good is? He's a trumpet player out of Chicago, but he's been living here for a really long time and he hosts a jam session, um, there's actually two or three good jam sessions here uh, where the young players come out. And so it's always amazing to me. Um, oh, another young player who actually lives in New York is Rico Jones. You should check him out. He's a really good player. And I think he's like early 20s. And he lives here and in New York. So I'm not afraid of it, you know, getting swallowed up. Uh, I feel like there's a lot going on. And yes, we do have a really good jazz station here. So. <laughs> no, I don't understand why. I, yeah, I think that helps a lot. <laughs> but mm. one of the reasons why I say that is like, you didn't see a big drop off from the 80s to now? Uh, <laughs> oh, you can be honest. Trust me, there are people coming here and just rip it. No, I I don't know that I do see that. Like, um, there's no, uh, I mean, I can go out and hear good jazz music almost any night of the week here if I want to. Denver, um, some in Boulder. But, you know, like I say, I'm hearing in my little world, um, I just, I can't imagine that there's not, enough going on there in New York or LA. Um, I don't feel like it's really dropped off. And, you know, maybe you should talk to somebody who's touring and see what they say about it. I'd be curious to know. No, I don't think it's going to die off. I just, actually, I think it's going to slowly die off, but I just don't think it's oh. going to be big anywhere near as what it used to be. Yeah. Um, why do you think that pop music just takes over or? I mean, pop music has its own set of problems, but just the whole act of learning an instrument is dying mm -hmm. off. The whole mm -hmm. thing of, how should I put it? Uh, people don't really want to go out to pay for music anymore, nor really pay to see a performance. Hmm. Well, that's not the case here. So... I guess I'm just living in my own little world here. 
I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. That's all I can say. And I can't even imagine that that's the case in New York City. But you're telling me kind of that it is. Which, I don't know. And I know people in L.A. as well who perform quite a bit. I'm sure it's not as liquid as it once was. So I guess I just don't want that to be the case. You know? You always have people who are willing to take the leap of faith to become an artist, no matter what the situation of the world is, which I admire. And I hope those people stay. It's just, it would be nice to see a jazz song on the Billboard charts again. (laughs) yeah i mean you know way 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 back in the day pop music included you know people like sarah vaughn (laughs) yes so yeah that's indicative of you know how it's changed in a big way uh yeah i mean i also would like to add on that like uh How'd I put it? (laughs) There's a lot of artists and I don't want to go on this rant again because we did this like literally last episode too, where it's like we have a good jazz artists do a good job of saying what's not jazz. And even if what's not jazz could help the whole genre completely. Well, wait a minute. Okay. So if, if quote unquote, not jazz could help the genre, Okay, so there's, we don't really define what is jazz music because there's some things that breaks the rules when it's convenient for them. And then that same, that someone comes with a similar sound and they say that's not jazz. Mm-hmm. An mm-hmm. easy example of that is Nora Jones. Love her. Oh. Think she's amazing. I think she's folk. But because yeah, she's, I don't, I don't consider Nora Jones a jazz singer. But I get what you mean. Yes. I mean, you know, she's, it's very accessible. She's, she is amazing. I totally agree. Um, it's, it's very accessible to people who aren't really jazz aficionados. Okay. So I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, okay. You know, this is an age old question. The question, what is jazz? Um, I think you should talk to Winton about that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, he'll tell you. (laughs) But, you know, it just comes down to probably the simplest thing. Oh, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Phones. Um, Is improvisation. Okay. I mean, to me, that's the core. Of jazz. One day, Winton Marcellus will come on because Bradford came on and another one of his brothers came on. And one thing I do love about Bradford is he did a whole bunch of stuff outside of quote unquote traditional jazz. That's right. I love. So, (laughs) I mean, uh, Bradford, he did the thing with Sting. He did his own thing. What was that? Uh, Buckshot, the funk. But I love that album. I loved it too. <laughs> I love that album. And Maya Angelou's on it. That is the coolest. Um, 
he, and I think that he probably got a lot of grief for, you know, going outside of the confines of supposed jazz. But I think that's ridiculous, okay? Because he knows what he's doing. And I don't really want to be schooled on what is jazz necessarily by Wenton because he's very traditionalist, you know? And that's fine for him, but it's a wider scope, in my opinion, a much wider scope. And it doesn't have to be within these confines of what's traditional. That's, that's the whole thing of jazz. It's, it's constantly moving and changing. And I mean, even like George Benson, that's they an easy got one too. Him because he went more pop, you know, breezing. But George is incredible. Yes. He's, he's one of the best guitarists anywhere. I love George. <laughs> so, I mean, no, we, we could even go over there from Herbie Hancock when Herbie Hancock did his poppy stuff. Absolutely. Come on. So Herbie it's, can do whatever the hell he wants. Agreed. You don't want to put it in a box. But that's, that's the whole point. But that's why I think we don't grow, and that's why I don't think anyone really knows many. Ah, like you mentioned Emmett before. Emmett's Emmett. great. Do you Emmett's not the biggest name right now. And the biggest name I think in jazz, which I said on the last two episodes, uh -uh. I know people, is a girl from Iceland. Who's that? You don't know this girl from Iceland? Her name's Sultan well, What is her name? Uh, Lafit, uh, what is it? Lafifa? Lafit? Oh, you know what? I feel like I have heard that name. She has Whoa. the most streams by far on the internet. Well, by that doesn't. She has is the, she considered jazz? I consider it jazz. If she's playing Boston Nova, do you consider that jazz? Oh, you know, I have seen this name recently. I need to go check it out, but I know I've seen that name recently. Okay. Yeah. If she's playing Boston Nova stuff, and even Boston Nova wasn't accepted here when it first came here until certain big names started jumping on that bandwagon. Stan Getz. Corel, well put, well named. Yes. <laughs> then all of a sudden was accepted. Right. So, I don't know. It's highly acceptable. I mean, now it's considered <laughs> it's jazz. That's the whole thing yeah. about jazz is the jazz musicians can play almost any genre. Oh, they by far some of the best their songs. Their own. Hmm? by far some of the best musicians you're going to get. Yeah, they can play any genre and make it something that you went, oh, how, yeah. it's just amazing. I mean, so, uh, where were we? <laughs> no, I'm just oh, saying. We were busy defining jazz. Defining once jazz. Once again. How are we going to get it on the Billboard charts? How are we going to make it big again? Mm. Uh, talk to Emmett. <laughs> talk to Veronica. Um, you know, I don't know the answer. It's always been this way, Leander. It's no different than it ever was. It's always been this way. Jazz is never going to be the most listened to music. No, no, I don't think... It's eclectic. It's I, for ears. It's for ears of people who uh, want to explore and be shown and, 
something incredible. So, and it's going to change every night, you know? So, I don't know about all those streams. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other thing. It's just that she's selling out the Vanguard and like, no problem. Wow. I think she sold it well, out five nights or six nights in a row. Really? Yes. Did you go see her? Nope. Because uh -huh. her tickets sold out right away. Dude, she has a whole high school following. Wow, she's young, right? She's like 24, 23. Yeah. So that's well, someone yeah. I want to claim as jazz because she could give me a good 20 years of music. Well, I'm going to have to go listen to her and see if she really is jazz. <laughs> but there we go. Once again, what is jazz? <laughs> It's just as real as possible. That's all. She's probably really good. I do. I feel like I did see that name quite recently. I mean, I seen yeah. her at what's it called? I went to a Brooklyn Nets game, and she's performing there during halftime. Wow! Really? Well, yeah. See? There's only that's one incredible. other person I know who was performing at a basketball games, and that's Trombone Shorty. Uh huh. Uh huh. So yeah, if you're able to get those type of gigs, I think you're doing something right. That's awesome. Yes. Well, like you say, you know, Herbie went way out. I mean, you know, of course, I love um, what's called fusion. I love fusion. Good, good, great players, weather report, you know. So it doesn't all have to, like I say, it doesn't have to be in that little box. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, two other things and then I'll let you go, ma'am. Yes, sir. Okay. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, would you talk them out of being a musician? Absolutely not. No. Okay. There are people who say yes. That's why I have to ask. I'm always curious. Nope. No, I feel so lucky. So lucky to have been given this gift. Um, and that's what I feel I was given. It was just... Um, because I was turned on to the real straight ahead jazz when I was quite young uh, by some people I was hanging out with who were a little older than me. And I was sort of, I call it force fed jazz. <laughs> I mean, I was listening to, you know, the Doors and the Stones and Led Zeppelin and that kind of thing. And, and these people were all totally into the real stuff. And it was just a gift given to me. No, why would I not want that in my being, you know? Trust me, I've heard good reasons, but that's fair. Well, you <laughs> and know. And why didn't you ever do always, pop then? always financial. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. And I'm just also curious, what is your dream project in a perfect world? You had no money issues. Um, that's a tough one. My dream project. Hmm. Well, I mean, probably being able to travel and present music. Because, you know, and have it ongoing. That, that would be wonderful. That's a hard question, Leander. I don't know. You wouldn't if I'm want to record that one. with anyone. Mm -hmm. 
There's no one you definitely want oh, to record? Oh, well, I mean... <laughs> sure, Emmett. <laughs> How about Emmett's band? No, but you know what? I mean, the people I play with are equally good. Uh, Eric Gunnison, my... Well, Eric's not on the album, but I do uh, perform with him. He lives locally. And he's toured with Carbon McRae. And, uh, you know, he's a he's a vocalist's pianist. And, you know, just because someone's a great piano player doesn't mean they're great at supporting a vocalist. He's a dream. Dream. Um, but, yeah, I mean, of course, that sounds wonderful. I don't really know if... Um, I was ready for that question. <laughs> okay, fair, fair, fair. Well, ma'am, can you tell... I'll the, take Emmett's band. How's that? That works, that works. Yeah. <laughs> could you, I love him. Could you tell the people where to find you, your social media, all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, my I have a website. It's just my name, if you know how to spell it. MaryLynnGillespie.com And the Gillespie is not spelled like Dizzy. It's spelled with an A instead of an E in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gillespie.com. Uh, that's my website, which, you know, I, I keep it fairly up to date in terms of when I'm doing gigs. And you can access the album there. Um, the album Secret Language is streamed on any streaming device that you would think of. So it's pretty easy to find. Mary Lynn Gillespie's Secret Language. I love if people try to contact me and tell me that they enjoyed the music. Um, that's always nice to hear. So any contact you want to make, that sounds great. Um, yeah, it's easy to find my music. I will have all that linked on the websites and everything, people. Even the YouTube link with the album that you can't find on the streaming platforms. <laughs> <laughs> and now upset with your record label. But it's okay. It is what it is. I don't have a record label. <laughs> your old one. <laughs> that's why. Oh, you mean New Weave. Yes. Yeah, New Weave. No, that's, uh, that is a sad thing. I suppose we could make an effort again. Uh, do it. Because do we'd it. have to... Yeah, I, I don't know how to do it. It's... Okay. We'll figure it out, okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>